previously on Chillingworth. The judge was a man named Curtis Chillingworth. He was the heart and soul of the criminal justice system. The most popular criminal enterprises in Palm Beach County in the 1950s were the rackets. Where there's racketeering and moonshining, there's always a threat of the mob. Judge Chillingworth said that if they made their way up to Palm Beach County, he'd do everything in his power to make sure that he brought those people to justice. And so there were all these fiends out there in Palm Beach County who were mad at the judge. Wednesday, June 15th, 1955, the Chillingworths from one of the most prominent families in all of Florida had vanished. I was very upset when she came out of that bedroom. Oh, shit. I mean, I was sick of my fucking stomach. I didn't want to do it. You want to talk to him? Yeah, yeah. Was he calm about it? No. He wasn't calm. No. Welcome back to Chillingworth. Immediately after Judge Curtis Chillingworth and his wife Marjorie vanished from their beach house in Manalapan, Florida. On the night of June 14, 1955, Palm Beach County and the entire state of Florida threw everything they had into the investigation of the couple's disappearance. This is the backyard of the summer home of Judge and Mrs. C.E. Chillingsworth. They disappeared sometime either in late at night or early yesterday morning. Police flocked to the Chillingworth home in Manalapan. They initially just set out there to find out if there was anything wrong with the Chillingworths and if they could be of assistance. But they quickly learned that they were dealing with something far more sinister than they'd imagined. So the Palm Beach County Sheriff immediately contacted numerous police forces from around South Florida and they all came in to assist. You had the press, you had gawkers and bystanders that were interested in what was happening. So it was a bit chaotic to say the least. They'd had cases where people had disappeared before, but not a prestigious circuit court judge and his wife. Now let's follow the path that investigating officers believe was taken by the abductors of Judge and Mrs. Chillingsworth. What does it mean when a judge disappears? When you think about what a judge represents for a community, the judge is at the fore of this amazing system. If judges feel that they can be physically threatened, let alone murdered, it creates the possibility that they can be unduly influenced by people who are defendants in cases they're presiding over. So it wasn't just Judge Chillingworth. It was everybody else in the system who was affected by the specter of something like this happening to them. This was actually a major attack on the criminal justice system. So that's what this really meant. This was a huge story. And by that night, it was national and even international news. Of course, radio was instantaneous and live, and there were morning and afternoon papers, so news traveled quickly. The way I heard uh, about this abduction uh, was very, very unexpected. My husband was uh, doing an internship up in Virginia, 
and I had the car, I was going to the PX to do some shopping, and it came over the radio, uh, national radio, one of the most prominent judges in, in all of the South, really, Judge Chillingworth and his wife uh, had disappeared. That was my godmother, Connie Dalton, who was up in Virginia at the time. So that just shows you how far and how fast the story spread. So by the end of the day, everyone around the country knew what had happened. But it was pretty evident that there was very little organization at the onset, which was not totally unexpected because of the magnitude of this case. We'd like to talk now to a man who is heading the search for the two missing persons. He is the sheriff, John Kirk. Sheriff, could you tell me approximately how many men are participating in the search for the missing people? There's probably 100 out tonight. There were 100 law enforcement officers on the scene. Think about what it took. What scale of tragedy would demand that 100 officers show up? How many times in your life have you seen 100 officers anywhere other than maybe a parade or a sporting event or a television report on a mass murder? That was indicative of how serious this crime was. There's uh, Palm Beach Police, West Palm Beach, Lake Worth, Delray, and Coast Guardman, and, and the Sheriff's Department. Joel Daves, Palm Beach County solicitor, who was one of the people Jonathan and I spoke with about the case, had this to say about Kirk's department. The one thing I do remember is that uh, somebody complaining that the sheriff's office, 10 or 15 or 20 deputies had walked all through the place and destroyed all the evidence and there wasn't anything really to investigate by the time they left. It was, it was not that the sheriff's office was not a real professional organization. In fact, many of the police departments around were not professional police organizations like we know today or like we even knew 10 or 20 years later. Jonathan and I saw lots of evidence of what Joel just described. We uncovered scores of photographs and even some newsreel footage that was shot the day after the Chillingworths disappeared that showed law enforcement officers traipsing through the backyard along the beach, down the very path that police believe the abductors took the couple on the way to the shore. They might have walked right over footprints along the course that the abductors headed down, which even to the untrained eye seemed like it was pretty inept. One of the law enforcement agents we spoke with who became deeply involved in the Chillingworth case was Ralph Clark, a Palm Beach County Sheriff's deputy and later sheriff of Brevard County in North Florida. And he had this to say about the other deputies in the Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office. Well, a lot of them had outside interest. Uh, like Tommy Reynolds, for instance. Uh, Tommy had this, uh, he, he was all the time trading guns and I mean, nothing illegal. I mean, he was, he, he was he liked to trade guns and liked to get into other activities of trading. And a lot of them had outside activities they were doing, and it seemed like they were more interested in that than they were the actual uh, sheriff's department work, you know. Officers and detectives came across very limited physical evidence. There were rolls of adhesive tape. Broken glass on the porch. Right, there was a lamp on the porch above the front door that had been broken. And as Joel Daves mentioned earlier, more evidence might have been grounded in the sand or kicked into the sea oats by police officers or deputies. The newsreel footage in one instance shows a police officer or sheriff's deputy 
inside the house on the very day they were reported missing, kicking back at the dinette table, guzzling an RC Cola. It was not what you would call their finest hour. One of the most emotional and important interviews we did was with Marie Chillingworth, the youngest of Judge and Marjorie's three daughters. Marie told us about a talk she had with a law enforcement officer. They weren't in their beach house. And we were planning to go down to the beach house on Friday. This evidently happened on a Wednesday morning. Uh, on Friday, we would have all been there. My two sisters and the one sister's husband and children. Dad made a point of getting us together every summer. He planned way ahead, and when can you come, and when are you going to be here? So we, would have, we could all be together for at least a week. And uh, that's where we were headed. We, we heard later from one of the people who was working on the case that if we had all been there, it probably wouldn't have happened. By the end of the week, with Judge Chillingworth lost to Palm Beach County, the adjudication of criminal and civil cases was now left primarily to three judges. Judge White, a courtly distinguished man in his late 60s. Judge Newell, judge of the criminal court of record about the same age as Judge White. And West Palm Beach City Magistrate Joseph Peel, charismatic 31-year-old native of West Palm Beach, who was more interested in launching a political career than in rising in the judiciary. Although they were all fine judges, none could hope or even aspire to replace Judge Chillingworth as the face of the justice system. The emotional damage that Judge Chillingworth's disappearance inflicted shook the sense of security that the justice system once provided. They could find someone to fill his position, but they'd never truly be able to replace the man himself. At the head of the intense investigation, as we mentioned previously, was Palm Beach County Sheriff John Kirk. Bill Barnes, West Palm Beach Chief Detective, played a significant role as well, but because the crime involves so many jurisdictions in the county, Kirk was ultimately in charge. The county's lead prosecutor, the Palm Beach County State Attorney Phil O'Connell, a former boxer, assisted him in the case. Here's Phil O'Connell sharing what drove him to enforce the law. Because I have been so indoctrinated to be hating, dishonest, thieving, murderous people. But I want to do my part to continue placing them where they belong. Sheriff Kirk had many supporters in Palm Beach County, enough to elect him and then re-elect him three times by 1955. At the same time, there were others who didn't think very highly of him. John Kirk was a very, very corrupt public official, probably the most corrupt, and black people were scared to death of him. God knows how many of them he's killed, you know, just in cold blood. He never just called them black people, he called them the N-word and uh, he had complete, utter disrespect for him. He wouldn't dare sit down at the table and have food with him or anything like that. One of the people who told us about John Kirk was a guy named Chuck Nugent, who you just heard. He was county solicitor for Palm Beach County in the 50s. 
And what that meant was that he was a prosecutor who tried everything except for capital cases, which were handled by the state attorney, Phil O'Connell. So you can hear in Chuck's voice that he's very passionate about this. And he's emphatic that John Kirk was a bad person, a terrible guy to be leading law enforcement efforts in Palm Beach County. Chuck Nugent once spoke with someone who'd heard the sheriff bragging about the scale of his own corruption. I had a justice of the peace from Belglade who said, uh, I know John Kirk very well, and he used to be a constable out here. And he said, you know what he told me on election eve? He said to me that, uh, you know, when I took this damn job, they told me it was going to pay 7500 a year. And he said, if I don't make that in one week, they can take that job and stick it. He was going to get at least 7500 a week off the gamblers, or he wasn't going to stay there. And not only Chuck Nugent, but Ralph Clark, who we introduced earlier, who was a sheriff's deputy under Kirk, said the same thing. He knew Kirk very well. And he talked about the extreme lengths that Kirk would go to shut people down who stood in his way, especially black men. When I, when I came to Palm Beach County as a kid and was in school, John Kirk was sheriff. And I, I believed in him. He's a good sheriff, you know. Is, I, I, I thought in my mind he was good, you know. And, and he did good, there's no question about that. But when you work for a man and you find out on your own, that he's not that good. You you hurt. You really hurt that you were wrong. That that somebody could actually do something like that. You know, a lot of black people that crossed John wound up in the canal. They would actually kill them and put them in the canal. Ralph Clark and Chuck Nugent are two very credible men. If what they heard about Kirk was true, it's profoundly horrifying. They heard that the Palm Beach County Sheriff killed innocent black men or had others do his bidding. Some of these men would have died anonymously. Some of their families would have never found out what happened to them when they went missing. There would have been no justice for any of them. It's heartbreaking to imagine I think you could say that Chuck Nugent and Ralph Clark considered Sheriff Kirk to be a bad person. But I think it's understandable that people like Chuck and Ralph, who had heard that Kirk might be a murderer, wouldn't necessarily share their views at the time without any way to prove what they'd heard. On the other hand, Joel Daves, who served as county solicitor immediately after Chuck Nugent and eventually became mayor of West Palm, wasn't convinced that Kirk was much worse than most lawmen of the time and hadn't heard anyone suggest that Kirk would kill people. Well, it was a different time. As Sheriff John Kirk kept order, uh, if there's anything serious, he did his best to enforce the law. With serious offenses, he played no favorites. He was completely impartial. If you shot somebody or beat up on your wife, he'd arrest you and take you down to the jail. He ran a kind of a cowboy sheriff's office, but they'd all, all the sheriffs, before him had done the same thing. The, the deputies, a lot of them didn't wear uniforms and they had six shooters hung on their hips and that kind of thing, you know. But uh, African-American gamblers over in the African-American community paid him a little money from time to time to make sure that things were okay. Right, that was Joel Daves talking about John Kirk. 
To some, the man was capable of summarily doing away with poor black men out in the glades. To others, he was an affable, effective sheriff who allowed racketeers to grease his palm now and then, who accepted the odd bribe, but wasn't capable of murder. There was a thriving underworld of not just Bolita, but other vices like moonshine and prostitution. Obviously, these enterprises couldn't have done so well, couldn't have sustained themselves for generations without being sanctioned by law enforcement, and in particular, without being approved or enabled by the Palm Beach County Sheriff's Department. There were many law enforcement officers who would take a little something for the misses, as our friend Joel Daves told us at one point. But Kirk was kind of in the Hall of Fame of abusive, corrupt law enforcement officers, according to Ralph Clark and to Chuck Nugent. It wasn't exactly like a corrupt sheriff in Nevada in the 1870s where there was nobody, literally nobody around. But there wasn't somebody around who could confront somebody like Kirk. And think about it, he'd been in office for 15 years by the mid-50s. He consolidated his control and his influence. He was very powerful by 1955. Back then, they were still living in a world where they couldn't be touched. Nobody could bring them down. And also you have to look at not only law enforcement, but the population in general. It was a place that was segregated for its entire history until a few decades ago. And it's a place where openly racist people, politicians, and opponents of civil rights would commit violence to shut down anyone trying to create opportunities for black people, whether it was voting rights or better jobs. And this will give you a sense of what it was like in Florida back then. In those days, uh, one of the things we were worried about, they burned crosses in Riviera. The Ku Klux Klan used to come in here and try to scare us. We were gonna rally together and take care of ourselves. Well, we weren't gonna let nobody hang us and, and, uh, and lynch us. That was Dan Calloway, who grew up in Riviera Beach and worked in law enforcement. On the extreme of racist violence, there's lynching. It was a horrific part of our nation's history. During Reconstruction and through the Jim Crow era, there were more lynchings of black people per capita in Florida than in any other state in the country. So that was the setting in which John Kirk was operating and thriving. So again, why is it so important that we're talking about Sheriff John Kirk and all of these negative qualities and how he was such a terrible person? It's very simple. He's the man that led the investigation into the disappearance of the Chillingworths. And another thing, it's likely Judge Chillingworth himself, who was aware of everything going on in Palm Beach County, knew at the very least that Kirk was corrupt, if not a man capable of committing murder. Here's Ralph Clark. John Kirk himself walked all over the crime scene. When I talked to some of the officers there later on when I got over there, he said it was a joke. That they they walked around talking, smoking. They didn't know what finished cigarette butts belonged to them or uh, the people that committed the crime. They didn't know what footprints belonged to anybody. John Kirk being the sheriff walked all over it. And so no, it was the, the the Chillingsworth case didn't start with a bang. It didn't. 
This was the man at the head of the Chillingworth investigation. Ralph Clark and Chuck Nugent believed that he was dishonest. He seemed to care more about enriching himself than his responsibilities to his county's citizens, his obligation to protect people, to bring to justice anyone who did them harm. And he might have killed innocent people. John Kirk was a vestige of a disturbing era, a bleak era. At the very least, his corrupt practices would distract him from the monumental task at hand. Whoever took the Chillingworths away from their beach house in Manalapan had two significant things going for them. First, the crime scene was contaminated. There was virtually no physical evidence. Second, the legal standard, corpus delecti. The principle of corpus delecti was followed in Florida. It meant that in a homicide case, the prosecution needed to show that the body of the victim had been found in order to convict the accused, unless at least two eyewitnesses testified that they'd seen the defendant commit the murder. In other words, if there was no witness and no bodies, there was no crime. Chillingworth was created by Texas Crew Productions and Nighthouse Films. It's produced by John Moss, myself, Jonathan Payne, Rick Sykowski, and Brad Bernstein.